0: Hopefully I don't sound too different. I haven't checked the acoustics in this room fully, but currently in a hotel room in Weston, Florida for the House of Athletes Scouting Combine with a couple of other members of the TDN crew. Unfortunately, Ben is not with me, so we're not doing a mock, or we almost said a mock draft episode. I've just said that so many times today. We're not doing we'll a pod. We'll never do a mock draft episode. We'll do, never co- do it again. Of course, we'll never do it again. We're not doing a pod together, which is unfortunate, but hopefully the chemistry is still just as good. Ben, my friend, Finally, onto another podcast. It feels like it's been too long, even though it's been like
1: an extra like 12 hours. How are you, my friend? Well, everything is delicious. Uh, I've enjoyed greatly the bench press hype videos coming from the Draft <laughs> Network team because we didn't get any this year, man. I, I know. I, You
0: know what? So that was that was the main event that happened here on day one down in Florida for this little regional combine. And there was one guy who was the biggest hype man of all time. He was where I-, I had no idea who he was. He looked like a football player, but I don't think anybody recognized him. He was wearing a-, a Miami Dolphins shirt, but I don't think he played for the Dolphins. And he was just screaming the whole time. He was like, you got this? Big chest. One rep. Big breath. And it was just like, you need you need somebody like that in your life. Everybody needs this dude. And if you haven't seen it, go to the draft networks like, you- like uh, Instagram or Twitter or something. You will hear this guy. I promise you. But I was just... That
1: was my main takeaway is everybody needs a, a hype man like that in their life. I'd pay somebody to follow me around to scream big chest <laughs> after I do things. All right. I right, just like, I just like, I, I I pull into a tight parking space at Target. Big chest. <laughs> yeah, I don't, you know, what's <laughs> yeah. You know it, man.
0: This is very true. This is very true. <laughs> Brandon Marshall, the former wide receiver. It's actually his gym that, that people are, are are working out at. That's where the combine is, is being hosted. He actually put up 16 reps on the bench. Which was great. I mean, like, cold. Playing. No warm-up, no preparation, nothing. He just sat down and repped him out. I was very impressed.
1: Was very what impressive.
0: did he do at the actual combine? Do we know?
1: I think 28. I looked it up and did 28. Oh, that's yeah, less than 50% depreciation from, like, the big job interview. Yeah, of yes, life. yes. That's easy, dubs. Yeah, that's nice.
0: The bench press king was, was Chaz Surratt, linebacker from USC, UNC. <laughs> Apologies. Probably get killed for that one. Which is a great transition if I wouldn't have have messed it up there. It would have been a great transition because today we are talking about linebackers. We're talking about our final evals, our scouting notes, our rankings for the 2021 linebacker class. Ben once again gave us the superlatives that we're going to go off of for the first half of the show. And then we are going to get to our final rankings at the end of the show with these guys for uh, different kinds of schemes. Because I think the big thing and and what Ben did a good job with in the superlatives are not all linebackers are the same. You know, even if they're categorized as off-ball linebackers and you're taking edge linebackers away from it, still, it could be guys that you want more in space, guys that you want more on the line of scrimmage, players you want more downhill, players you want more in coverage. Linebackers come in all different shapes and sizes. So, Ben, what superlative would you like to start out with on the show today?
1: Yeah, our two scheme superlatives that we're doing are uh, Thumper and our Run and Chase, which I didn't want to do like Sam and Will because those things can mean different things for different systems and and different body types, so on and so forth. So we wanted Downhill Thumper, guy who's going to play physically uh, between the tackles and Run and Chase, a guy who you more so want. And of course, like we've done on the other podcast, this is more so going to be a, you know, like players that we like on day two, not necessarily like the top guys in the class when we talk about schemes. So... Um, let's go thumper. Okay. Uh, Right. Between the tackles, highly physical player, Mm -hmm. up on the line of scrimmage, can take on blocks. I like Pete Werner out of uh, Ohio State. Is it Werner? Like, is that too Germanic or I, is it just like I, Warner?
0: I, I don't think it's Germanic. But I really do. I really do appreciate you saying it in in kind of like a German tone because I love it when you do that. But I do, I do not <laughs> think, I don't think it's Because it's Werner. not
1: Warner. It's W-E-R-N-E-R. I think it's Werner. Yeah, Pete Werner. I'd love for it to be But <laughs> you can say it like that in the end if you want. I'm not going to stop you from doing it. Pete Werner. Multiple-year starter at Ohio State, played on a a talented linebacker depth chart, which included Baron Browning, Justin Hilliard, and Tough Borland, all of whom I believe are in this class. I know that Browning and Hilliard are because I watched them. I know that Borland got his heels toasted by Devontae Smith in the, the uh, national championship game. We'll never recover from that. But, yeah, he's in this class as well. He is. Borland's also uh, in the mold of a thumper, but he's much more so a limited player where I believe that uh, – Werner could start for you in a role that has him regularly up on the line of scrimmage uh he's got fine fluidity for his size and he's 240 pounds plus and I think he's he's that's what he's listed I think he'll he'll truly come in at 240 plus it's not a heavy linebacker class at all we should become accustomed to seeing 230s as the highest in in linebacker classes I moving agree. forward yeah um so he's the best 240 plus pound linebacker not named Zavin or Micah uh and he's going to be better when he's plays when he plays between the tackles i think that uh his vision and play recognition is better than i remember of the film that i've seen of him i think he's gotten more comfortable playing in an off linebacker fill role where you've got to react the polars react the misdirection motion guys going through you've got to be able to re come downhill uh he's great when he's on the line of scrimmage he's really really good when they put him over tight ends and they put him on the line he's physical he's got good length he's got great leverage he knows how to work backside so he can he can steal a gap right he can work d-gap to c-gap he gets involved in a lot of tackles um so if we're talking about quality run defender with on and off ball ability Mm -hmm. Pete Werner is my guy and I think that it's interesting because in this class there's a lot of day two linebackers I like and all of them Jabril Cox shows at. You know, uh, Baron Browning even, uh, Jamin Davis, a lot of these guys who we might talk about, they all fit kind of one prototype. They're all lanky, they're all not not super dense, a little bit upright, and they all can cover, and they all can play zones, and they all can move. And there's only one to me that I'm like, just have him eat glass in the trenches on first and second down, and that's Pete. And so I think that there are names that get talked about more than him, and I wouldn't be surprised to see Werner, Werner... Go earlier. You wanted, to do, too, you, I, you I, wanted I to do it. You I wanted to do it. I read it, and I think Warner. And then I think, no, wait, not Warner. And then I over and I go too far.
0: <laughs>
1: <laughs> but I think there's going to be a lot of those names that we hear talked about in the media that people like a lot mm-hmm. that won't go as highly as Werner will because he's built for a different mold and one that's still valuable for teams even if it's not like it's sexy.
0: I did not get to watch Werner yet. And I wish that I did because I've heard really good things about him, and I'm glad that you Is brought him up. Is the best
1: Ohio State linebacker? Oh, yes.
0: Well, then we're going to we're oh. going to have some fun at the end oh, of this my. episode, aren't we? Yeah. It's so I, I I really do like Warner, uh, and I really do like another Ohio State linebacker. So that's you know. We'll we'll see see what my final eval is on him because I I just liked what I saw of him live. I've heard really good things about him. I'm glad that you brought him up here on the podcast because he's getting a lot of praise. My thumper, I'm going to go with Cameron, Cameron McGrone. Cameron McGrone was my linebacker three going into the year after summer scouting. I loved his 2019. As just a sophomore, as just a first-time starter as a sophomore in 2019, I thought he was fantastic. I, I thought the movement skills, the the ability to just start and stop and, and move-, move over from gaps and get from sideline to sideline, and the aggression that he played with, I was just like, this is a starting Mike Linebacker in the NFL. I was so excited about his ceiling. He didn't have as good of a year in 2020 as he did in 2019, so the learning curve is is still there for him. I think I was very infatuated with him and what he was able to do as a young, true sophomore. And so I thought, holy cow, if he takes another jump forward, another big jump forward in his junior season, we're going to be talking about a first-round linebacker. And I really bet into that in me having him number three overall out of summer scouting. So I'm a little bit cooler on him just because not that I don't think the ceiling is still there for him. It's just not clearly like this this transcendent prospect that I thought that he could have been from what we saw in his first year as a first-time starter. But even in 2020, what I saw from him is I felt like I saw a future middle linebacker type who's going to hit you downhill, who's not afraid of contact going towards the line of scrimmage. He's not afraid to take on guards, centers, tackles, whoever it is. He's not afraid to go up and get in on gang tackles and 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 hit bigger running backs, anything like that. He's a guy who really, really loves contact. Now, the block shedding for him, I think, could certainly be a little bit better. So when it comes to making that contact, that's where Warner's
1: really good. He knows what he's doing.
0: See, and, and that's that's an area where McGrone is still learning. It's for McGrone, I love his athleticism at his size. I love the urgency at which he plays, but sometimes the urgency actually becomes a negative. So like something that I've been talking about with a couple of guys on the uh, on the scouting staff this weekend, one of the phrases that came out for linebackers as we were talking about them is, slow until you know. So you should shuffle your feet, stay square to line of scrimmage, and then when you know where the running back is going, where you know you need to fill, that's when you turn it on, that's when you show the athleticism, that's when you go make the play. There are times when right at the snap, Magrone just gets antsy like he's so urgent that he's like crossing over his feet and he's like taking a step where he shouldn't just because he wants to move. He wants to keep the feet light and he wants to move with the line and and it sometimes is to his detriment. I fall, tend to fall in love with linebackers who really have active feet like that. But I really had to say that like, okay, Magrone has this ability, but it's it's a detriment right now. And so that's something that he's still working out. He's still working out his anticipation. He's still working out his patience, but really love the athleticism. I love the frame, love the mentality that he brings. So, he's a guy that I'm excited about as a downhill Mike linebacker in the NFL as as a thumper type player.
1: I I have never like McGrone coming into this season, I wasn't all the way there on it and then even after this season, I'm I just can't. I'm not all the way there in on it. I don't okay. see it. Fair. All right. And I get the long-term projection. Like I know, Kyle loves him, and Kyle wrote uh, a report on him. I think Kyle's written a piece
0: on him. I did you know, not. And you know, I did not like him as much as Kyle did when I was talking about him uh, earlier right. today with him.
1: And so, right, so Kyle has uh, a, like a tweet where he shares the the McGrone, uh scouting report, right, for TDN. And you, if you read it, it says, I'm pulling it up right now. Uh, TDN Stout is having to cross-check on Michigan linebacker Cameron McGrath this afternoon. Inexperience is notable, and he'll need more seasoning. But in this good linebacker group, I think he's a high-ceiling Mike. The three-year projection is strong. And I agree with all of that. And then I see yeah, our rankings, too. and he's li- and, and he's linebacker six. And I'm just like, because I think this linebacker cast is pretty good. And mm-hmm. I'm not sure I can put him with such a long arc. Above some other guys. You know what I mean? So this is a place where like evaluation is largely the same. Valuation is different.
0: Yeah. No. Okay. That's yeah. that's actually a really good way to put it. And it's good to throw those words out. because yeah, That's why they, they put me on the
1: podcast, man. This is, this is torture torture
0: against my will. They put you on the podcast. I didn't ask you to come on the podcast at all. You they, just, be here. they just demanded that you be on the podcast. All right. We're going to get to our... Space linebackers in a second after we read this out. We got to talk to the betting people that listen to this podcast. Remind them that bet online is the fastest and easiest way to bet on all of your sports action. Football is over, but college basketball, NHL, MLB, the NBA, they're all in full swing right now. That bet online even covers award shows, TV shows, reality TV, even. So you can get on all kinds of reality TV bets. Bet online has you covered on all of the news, scores, odds. It's the best way to place your bets, and it's free to sign up. Head over to the website. Use your mobile device, sign on today. Use the promo code locked on, all caps, one word, and you will get a 50% welcome bonus on your first deposit. Bet online, your online sports book experts. More linebacker talk in our final rankings coming up next. We're covering everything you need to know about the NFL draft, but what about the rest of sports? Now, the Locked On Podcast Network has you covered there as well with Locked On Today. It's hosted by Peter Bukowski. And it is all the sports news you need every morning in just under 20 minutes subscribe to locked on today wherever you get your podcast ben you classified these guys that we are talking about next as the run and chase linebackers and those are guys who are yep. space players right that's pre- that is- non-
1: Pete Werner's okay catches
0: okay, 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 all right <laughs> so the, where where who is your non-pete werner in this 2021 NFL draft class
1: I We've done safeties, corners, and line... This is not linebackers. So far, the best player that we haven't talked about... The best player that we're talking about that is just not discussed and is, like, better than I think anybody is realizing is Tony Fields, linebacker out of West Virginia. Whoa! He's so good. Okay. Now, 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 now. He is a safety
0: Okay, (laughs) okay. So
1: we're... Right.
0: So is Jeremiah Usocoromo. I'm sorry,
1: what? Oh, we're going to get there. We're going to get there. all right, okay, all right, okay. Tony Fields is an Arizona transfer. Uh, Started as a freshman next to Colin Schooler. 13 games, 12 games, uh, 13 games in three years in Arizona. 37 total games starting Wildcats linebacker. Grad transfers to WVU after someone is fired. West Virginia's defense was like just nebula kings, right? It was like everybody can just do everything. We're just going to put six kids out there between 205 and 225 pounds, and they can all do everything, and that's what we're going to do. And so Tony Fields was just, hey, somebody's going to have to be our Mike linebacker, despite the fact that they're not built like one, and you have experience doing this in Arizona, which the offenses are smaller weight-wise in the Pac-12 than they even are in the Big 12. Uh, so, it was an uptick in weight that he had to deal with. And he, like, I liked his Arizona film. His West Virginia film was awesome. It was really, really good. Uh, run and Chase. You talked about slow until you know. Uh, in order to be successful in that role, you either need to have elite processing, elite explosiveness, or a, a blend between the two, such that you're able to succeed. The blend is here. Firstly, Fields has got a nose. Like it, there's just, there's times where I think he's wrong and he's right. And it pisses me off. You watch, uh, (laughs) no, like, so this is like, cause this is important. Like, all right, if you're, if you're watching linebackers, you need to be, you know, uh, it's a run play ball snapped. You need to be freeze framing that. That play, watching the, the 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 guards pull, watching the the mesh point from the running back and the quarterback, trying to figure out figure it out as the linebackers figuring it out. As you understand how they're processing the field, I would watch a play like misdirection, jet one way, you know, back away, whatever, and I'd be like, all right, this is going X direction. And like the Baylor film, I was just wrong all the time. Baylor had me my head spinning, and Tony Fields had like 15 tackles, two TFLs, a sack. Like he was just everywhere, and I was like, Aha, you've got to be kidding me. And so he's got a great nose. He's very, very good. Now, West Virginia lets him play about five, six yards off the ball. And he's going to be that deep in the league sometimes. And so that, that changes things a little bit because that makes your angles down to plays easier when you're talking about getting into the boundary. But I do think he's legit explosive. I do think he can legit fly. Uh, and so when you talk about like Pedaling out and getting to screens, whether it's like a running back slow release or it's like a bubble screen or a tunnel screen. Uh, he's regularly blowing up constraint plays outside of the boundary, right? The easy, quick stuff that offenses want to just nickel and dime you, right? Free access plays. Tony Fields does not give you free access plays. He's a nightmare in those situations uh, when he gets put into coverage. I The, the same instincts that he has in a... Run defending role, I don't think he has in a pass coverage role right now, but he's very, very quick, and he's springy, and so he can go and get connected once he sees it, and I think he's a consistent tackler in space for most athletes that are going to be working shallow. Like I said, 6'1", 222. So if we're talking about uh, you know quick releases to tight ends who are like 240, 245, he's got mm-hmm. some trouble. And he's a little bit stubby. Um, but overall, quality player. Is he going to line up at linebacker regularly in the NFL? Probably not. And so I think about what happened to Kaiser White, who is also out of West Virginia. Sure, right. uh, In terms of he plays, you know, weak side linebacker for the Los Angeles Chargers now, but he really is like on their safety depth chart and that's what they treat him as. The tricky thing is that. He was legitimately a safety when he was a Mountaineer. He was their spur, right? He was their star. That's what they called their star, right? That, that Nick Saban, Minka Fitzpatrick role that everybody knows and talks about now. Fields is lined up as a true linebacker. That's what he's always done. And so there's a little bit of a position switch here that's going to be necessary. He's going to stop seeing the field C-gap to C-gap, and he's going to have to start seeing the field C-gap to boundary. You know what I'm saying? Like, it's not going to be tackle to tackle. It's going to be this particular one half of the field tackled to the boundary. Uh, And he's going to have to start dropping more in coverage and be responsible in man coverage for number two, number three, whether that's a wide receiver or a tight end. He's going to have to have more complex short zone responsibilities and match coverages because of what he'll be dealing with, lined up to the strong side of the formation, three receivers releasing, what are my rules? So there's going to be changes to what he has to do when he gets to the league. But I really trust the athlete. I very much trust the production and I, I definitely think I trust the processing as well. So best film that I've seen that nobody really gets going about to this point. Tony Fields.
0: Now are you are, did you want did you want to say that just because you wanted to give Tony Fields a shout out or because like you would genuinely think that he's the best in this category? Check me when uh, when we rank him. Okay, all right, okay. 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 <laughs> okay. 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 My okay, guy got down a down little relax, spice relax. on that answer. Okay. <laughs> my my favorite run and chase linebacker that I've watched over the last couple of days in depth is Baron Browning from Ohio State. What? I like Baron Browning, man. Oh wow. Oh, I really wow. like Baron Browning.
1: Oh wow.
0: I'm gonna. I'll, I'll read the blurb.
1: I'll re- I'll read the blurb here. Always read the blurb.
0: Browning is a big-time traits guy for me. Former safety convert who looked really comfortable as a space linebacker this past season. He moves really well in coverage. His feet are always moving, and his first step is fantastic. He is still getting the hang of the anticipation with pullers and chaos at the line of scrimmage. But even as a baseline, in year one or two, he'll be able to cover the tight ends, and he'll be able to give you sideline-to-sideline speed as a space will linebacker in a 4-3 system.
1: Cover tight ends, one.
0: I think he could. Yeah. I think he's the athlete. I think he's, I I think he's got the frame and I think he's athletic enough to do it. I really do. I thought, I thought he took a big time jump in linebacker play, especially from a coverage standpoint. I remember watching him in summer scouting and I was just like, this dude's guessing. Like he does, like he does not know really what he's supposed to be doing. He's, he's late. Things are flowing one way and he's, he hasn't even taken his first step in that direction. I really did not like his 2019 tape. Now, of course, the background matters. He's transitioning over to linebacker. They're throwing some weight on him. He's playing there for the first time. He's coming off of a linebacker group that had um, Malik Harrison in it, and he, he wasn't even getting playing time over Tough Borland in 2019 for as athletic as he is. This year, I thought he was really nice, and I thought that as the year went on, he really understood his coverage responsibilities. He understood how to be versatile. I, I, I really was encouraged with Brandon Brown, uh, Baron Bar- Bar- Barron Browning. I really do.
1: I am fine with Barron Browning. I like I, I, I was surprised because I more so because I know how you feel about other running chase linebackers in this class, or these guys that I would classify as running chase linebackers. Mm-hmm. I'm surprised that Barron came in over a dude like Jabril Cox, who so I know you're a fan of, a dude like Chaz Surratt who I know you're a fan of.
0: Yeah. So uh, I, I, I would have those guys ranked. And I I think that what you said about 10 minutes ago is important to remember. This linebacker class has a lot of really nice players to add in day two. And all three of those guys are very nice space players. They really are. I think that they all run really well in space. They close great. They've got great pursuit to the, to the boundary. I think they have really good upside in coverage. I think that Browning has probably the most overall athleticism. Jabril Cox clearly understands coverage the best. And then Chaz Surratt has that former quarterback background where you could tell when he's dropping in zone, he knows the timing of when the route behind him is going to break, how to look at the quarterback's eyes. And so all of that goes into, I really like all three of these guys. But I think that Browning, maybe it's just because of the leap that he took from last year to this year, but the trajectory of what he showed me and how athletic I felt like he was and an urgency that he played with. I was really a big fan of. All
1: right, let me ask you this. Yes. Uh Okay. Do you have a player? Like, do you have a comp in mind, or no? Not at all. Because I know I, you don't usually do them.
0: No, I, I really, I don't have yeah. a comp
1: in mind. No. Okay. I, uh, will rephrase, reframe the question then. Where would you like? How often, if you're running the offense, which is an unfair question, because mm-hmm. you're not, you don't know what offense you're running. But how often would you want him on the line of scrimmage, and how often would you want him off the line of scrimmage? If I'm running the offense, so like if I'm playing the defense, the defense, him. the defense, the defense, the defense, oh, the defense. Okay. That made no sense. The defense.
0: Well, I think that right now, <laughs> I think that right now, he's more comfortable in more space. I don't think he's like averse to line play or like doesn't want to be physical though. So, right. I would rather I would rather have him off. I think just at this point in his his linebacker career, but I wouldn't say he's like a super liability to play Sam at some points on the strong side.
1: Right. Because when I think about ceilings for Baron Browning, my mind immediately goes to Jamie Collins. 6'3, 250 at the combine, 33 and a half inch arms, right? Ran up 4'6'5, jumped like, what did Jamie Collins jump? Like, I want to say 40 like something inches, no, right? He, it was yeah, absurd. He was, yeah. He was unreal. His, his broad jump, I, I know, it was like 11'7 or whatever, yeah. but I think his vert was over 40. Anyways, like a bananas athlete. And I think that Browning is not going to test, you know, whatever top percentiles in the jumps and in the 40, and what have you. But I think that he'll be fast. And I think that he'll be explosive. And he's obviously long, right? He had 33-inch arms at the the combine or at the senior bowl. He's 6'3", 240 plus. And the, the benefit of having that size, to me, comes on the line of scrimmage. It doesn't come when you're stacked, when you're off ball. It can, occupying zones occupying throwing windows Mm -hmm. give you a little bit of an edge there but the like largely historically that value added length added weight has been at that spot yeah if you're going to be six three two forty playing stack i want you to play mike because i want you to be Taking on blocks, I want you to be more likely to be filling a gap and, and taking on a guard, taking on a puller, taking on a fullback, taking on a tight end. Because yeah. I expect with that added mass, you're able to make that play. You see what I'm saying? No, so I like, see
0: what you're saying. I yeah. just didn't really, I just didn't really project him as a Mike. I think that he does. I when I watched him, I felt like he did so well, so much better in coverage that I wouldn't want him playing Mike or downhill all the time, even though he has the
1: frame to do it. So I don't totally disagree with you. Right. I just didn't think of him that way. So it's a little bit of like a skills don't match the trait situation because you're like, all right, this guy's great in space. Like he's awesome flying into the, into the boundary. You know what I mean? Like he, he can break down and tackle and he's also just happens to be huge. And it's like, well, right, right. why are you huge a little bit? You know what I mean? <laughs> Which is like, fine. Like I said, there's nothing wrong with it. Like it, it, it has its benefits when you're at a stack linebacker. Sure. But I always like that framework of do the skills match the traits where we talk about is what you're good at on the field skills match what you are physically, yeah. traits. And Baron Browning, who has always been this kind of five-star, what is he, figuring him out, safety, recruit, change position, yada, yada, has a guy where I think he's still trying to figure out the rhythm between his skills and his traits and kind of what exactly his identity is.
0: Maybe I'm seeing that as more of like a slingshot than a worry. You know, I'm I'm, I'm looking at, right. wow, you're not, I'm, right. you're not
1: wrong. It, it, that's like, the sort of player, you know, if we want to make a uh, uh, cross-position comparison here, Lajarius Sneed was that guy last year, right? there are many of these guys, but Legereus Sneed was like, Okay, this guy's a great athlete. What the heck is he? Mm-hmm. And then he showed up in Kansas City and was like, I'm a corner and sometimes a slot. It's like, you've never done this. Not really. <laughs> and he was <laughs> like, I'm gonna be great. It's like what? You know, it's like that like there's ways, like you said, it could be a slingshot and not a worry. Like you get Browning and, and you just get him with a coach who gets him. He you get his eyes right, you get him feeling confident, and then all of a sudden you've got an NFL caliber athlete and you're one flying around, and that's a big deal
0: we want to go to the toughest eval?
1: I, I, yes. I also want, I like kind of want to guess who yours is. Cause I, there's like seven dudes that I almost had down for this.
0: Okay. I watched nine total players. I'm, I'm, I'm going to watch more linebackers before I get to my final big board, but I watched Micah Parsons, Zayvon Collins, Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, Baron Browning, Nick Bolton, Chaz Surratt, Jabril Cox, Cameron McGrone, and Dylan
1: Moses. Okay, my most my uh, most. Did you, wait, uh, are
0: you, or were you gonna guess? Were you gonna guess for mine? No, I'm gonna guess. I'm gonna, guess. Okay, I'm gonna
1: okay. say my topest eval is in that group of names, so I'm gonna guess Jeremiah Usukorma.
0: You know, you would think that because I have him ranked literally in both the safety category and the linebacker category right. because I thought that that was very appropriate, but this was not a hard eval. You know why? It's really good. He's Jeremy Chin. He's just, he's going to do what Jeremy, he's going to do what Jeremy Chin did. Wait,
1: wait, I might love this.
0: He's, he is, watch Cam, watch, watch Jeremiah Usocoromoa, and what does he do really well? Okay, he plays in space very well. Super
1: instinctive, right? Big collision guy, come downhill, wait, wait, I like this.
0: Watch how Carolina deployed Jeremy Chin.
1: Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
0: This is exactly how you deploy Jeremiah Owusu-Koromoa, and guess what? Jeremy Chin was this year a runner-up for Defensive Rookie of the Year. This is yeah. how you do it. The Jeremiah Usukoramoa, he's he's not a linebacker. He's not. He's not. J- Jeremiah is listed as a safety. Or right. sorry, sorry. Um, a Jeremy Chin, Jeremy Chin is listed as a safety. That is the position that Owusu Koromoa is going to play. You are never going to want Owusu Koromoa, for as physical as he is, for as much as he loves smacking into people at full speed, you are never going to want him fully inside the tackles, fitting the run. That is a waste of what he does really well. You instead play him as a safety. You play him like Jeremy Chin. I think he is a safety in this draft. I have him listed at both linebacker and safety because people tend to list him at linebacker, and I wanted to get him in there anyways. But that is what I think. So this is not a tough eval for me. This is easy. Now,
1: I, I will say this. Jeremy Chen, I just pulled it up on PFF, snap count-wise this year, took 392 snaps in the box. That was the majority of his snaps. Or no, excuse me, that's the plurality of his snaps. Uh, Mostly line at linebacker, left linebacker, Mike linebacker, right linebacker, as PFF chart, uh, charts them. He took 230 snaps at slot corner, right? Mm-hmm. Which... This is where we say like, Uso Kormo is a safety. Right. Well, like he's a defensive back. He's going to play over the slot. Because slot corner, you're going to be able to cover that guy. You're also going to be able to play the run. You're going to be able to blitz. Yada, 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 Makes perfect sense. He took 237 snaps at free safety. Deep middle. Right. That's where you're not going to get. Correct. Right? You're you're right. You were totally right. Yes. Right. Now, it's worth noting, and I'm checking this now just to make sure I understand what's kind of going on here a little bit. He was, uh, Chin was box and slot corner heavy to start the year. And then after the bye, he started losing his slot corner reps and taking more free safety reps. And I'm looking at their snap counts. They had uh, Justin Burris get injured there for a little bit. Uh, it doesn't really seem like it was an injury thing. I'm, so I'm guessing they like started him there and then are kind of trying to work him in more to the safety role. So I wouldn't be surprised if his role changes a little bit. But I just wanted to see from the snap count perspective. You're not like I, I like a lot about that. I just think Chin has the deep safety ability because you got to remember I loved Jeremy Chin last year. No, he, uh, he has a little bit more of the deep safety ability than I think that obviously Usykormo would be a complete projection because he's never lined up there in his life.
0: You're you're one hundred percent right, and I honestly I should have included that in my rant because when you look at Jeremiah Usykormo, I think a lot of the reason why people say that he is a linebacker is because he does not. play play deep like he doesn't he doesn't fill he does not check the box of a potential either deep safety or two half safety like nothing right he he is he is but strictly he's a so, linebacker player
1: so good in short areas right, right right
0: which is which is why jeremy chin is listed as a safety that's i i i am i'm just making owusu whatever jeremy chin is that's that's it and you're not going to play him on the back end, but go look at the best, most impactful plays that Jeremy Chin had in 2020. They were when he was playing that pseudo linebacker, roaming player, slot defender. They were doing something like that at the second level or near the line of scrimmage. That's what he was doing. That's what Uso is was going to do. That's Just take the free safety snaps out of it and just keep him where you need to keep him as like a slot player. Because he's aggressive you know, enough. He's strong oh. enough. He'll, oh, he'll, yeah. he'll fly at the line of scrimmage if you need him to. You just don't mm-hmm. want him fitting the run between the tackles all the
1: time. Yeah. Do you know the the best my favorite comparison that I've ever seen for him? I wouldn't say the best, but my favorite that I've ever seen from him is uh Danny Kelly of the Ringer, who has him ranked above Michael Parsons as a top ten player, comped him to Jamal Adams. Which like I love, but also the Seahawks blitz Adams so much to protect him from being in man coverage. And I think Ouzukoromoa can be better in man coverage than I that. I would agree. I would but agree. But that's sort of like, because the, the the conversation about like, what is Adams in the jets to Seahawks trade? People are like, oh, he's an edge safety, like whatever that is. You know what I mean? Just freaking figure it out. Like here's where he lines up and he's just, he's just super physical and he's shot out of a rocket on every single play. And he's totally nuts. And he will knock the paint off your helmet Like that's I get those vibes from a Koromo as well, where a Wusakoromo gets you lined up in space, you're gonna need a breather, right, before you come back out in the field. So I like that one. So yeah, that was not my toughest eval. (sighs) Who was it then?
0: I would honestly say that Jabril Cox is my toughest eval. Oh wow. All right, let's hear it. Because I really liked what I saw from Jabril Cox. He is very smart. He's extremely smooth and natural, controlled anticipatory when he is in coverage. You know, he had a couple of reps where it's like, okay, you know, he, he's he's watching the route progression. He's moving left or right. All of a sudden, the tight end, boom, like or the slot player, like, boom, breaks up, tries to go upfield vertically right up the middle of the field, and he just flips his hips, and he is with them. And, like, that is just super useful for a linebacker, for you to have a guy like that, that can, that can go vertically with all kinds of different slot players and tight ends. I thought that that area of the game brings so much value to a defense. I, I, I worry about his speed. I mm-hmm. came away. I came away from his film wondering what his top, his true, his true top speed was, and then also the time in which it took to reach it. He's a very smooth mover. I think that like going zero to sixty, it's like butter. You know what I'm saying? Like it's almost like Mm -hmm. an electric car. You know, it's like you just don't you don't even feel it. You're just all of a sudden you're going. But I don't know what the top end speed of him is there, and I don't know how fast exactly he could get to whatever that top speed is. And so he was a really tough eval for me because. I'm glad that you brought up early in the show that you thought I was going to be almost highest on him because I thought that as well. And then I came away from his film going, oh, man, do I really like these other guys better because I questioned Jabril Cox's overall athleticism. And I think that's where I'm coming from. I still really like him. He's absolutely a day-two linebacker for me. But he was a weird eval.
1: Yeah, I hear you with that one. I also... I was talking with Justice Mosqueda, who did front seven players for Bleacher Reports rankings, which are fun. you should check them out a while ago. And I was like, I'm so excited to watch Jabro Cox. And he was like, He's gonna break your heart. And I was like, No. And he was like, Yeah, he's not fast. And I was like, No. And then I watched him and I was like, ah, Yep. Dang. He's so which, smooth, you it He looks really fast in North Dakota State, maybe. Wow. <laughs> and then yep. started playing against the SCC and all yep. of a sudden yep. it's not as explosive. Um, I still think he's a good player. I agree with you. I, I, I am very tempted to talk myself into the entire Bo Pelini defense was bad. He was in a bad situation. Uh, they lost so much talent. They didn't have good guys up in front. But that's of them. not it. That's right. not it. That's that's not it's a, it's that's not what you question. It. It's a little bit it. No, it's not. But that's it's not. That's that's all not, of not it. Yeah,
0: that's not what it is for me. Yeah. I I ended up I threw on the Browning tape and I threw on the Serat tape and I went. These guys are better athletes. Yes. And uh, that just, oh for
1: sure for sure for sure
0: right and so like that's kind of they are th- those two guys are athletes that I loved to bet on like I I think their best football is certainly ahead of them both of them are new to the position for different reasons Browning is a former safety Tr- Surratt is a former quarterback and so like they're still ascending where they're where where they need to go as much as I like Jabril Cox and think that he's certainly going to bring value to a defense. I don't know how, how much higher the ceiling is if I don't trust his athleticism. So, yeah, he that was the toughest eval for me. Who's the toughest eval for you?
1: Dylan Moses. Listen, let's walk it through. <laughs> okay, let's, please. All right, let's do it. Let's walk it through. Yeah. 2018, uh-huh. Dylan Moses plays football uh-huh. and is the the greatest person alive. Uh, he was a finalist for the Butkus Award. He had like 90 tackles. He yeah. was just sophomore just running the offense the defense Mm -hmm. flying around the field genius awesome intangibles great athleticism was so excited junior season uh tears his acl in practice y'all remember like it was it was like that week of twitter where like college football was so close that all everybody was talking about was how excited they were for college football and then all of a sudden there was like a tweet from just like not a super verified source that was basically like Dylan Moses left practice today with a non contact knee injury. We were all like, Is this real? And then eventually there was a a like, you know, verified Bama, whatever person who shared it. Uh ACL there. I remember the where training.
0: I was when I read that news. Where were you? I was in Buddy Brew Coffee Shop off of um Dale Mabry in Tampa, Florida. And oh, I, 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 remember, I remember I remember I remember being in line, getting coffee, reading the tweet, and going, Oh no. Yeah,
1: I wanted to fight somebody. Yep. Uh, so it misses all the 2019 season. There's a, a, a large like rumor mill that he's going to come out despite this, and he's going to come out on a sophomore film. If you we were all like, sure, that film was nuts, dude. Uh, he elects to return to school. And we were all like, wow, what a recruiting win for Alabama. Keep your guy there. It's going to be great. 2020 film. Not as good as the 2018 film was, and he seemed tentative he seemed to question his reads, uh, and he seemed worse in space. Some stuff that you're like, all right, that's maybe athletic. That's maybe coming back from injury. And sometimes that you're like, that's not really what that is. It's also worth noting that he was going to switch his positional designation, Will to Mike, into that 2019 season. Obviously, he never took a snap, and then he was a Mike for the 2020 season. Uh, he sa- he shares after the 2020 season that he he said, the quote was, Uh, as far as going through pain and stuff throughout the year, the first time I felt like 100% myself was the very first game of the season against Missouri. And then just all throughout the season, it was just constantly like pain like pain, pain and all that. Like I said, I'm really tough when it comes to dealing with a lot of pain and all that. But at the end of the day, I just want to be there for my teammates, teammates, make a difference and be able to make the calls for them. And he was pretty important in terms of like getting the defense set and everything like that. But he revealed that he like was thinking about quitting football and like this recovery was terrible. Mm -hmm. So I graded his... I graded three games of his 2018 film and three games of his 2020 film. Mm-hmm. The 2020 film is a round three player for me. The 2018 film is a round one player for me. Comfortably round one. Early mid-round one grade before positional value and whatever.
0: Ben that was three years ago.
1: Yes, it was. So you go through Moses now and you say, medical checks, if his knee gets flagged, no chance. Because if he like he, he he had a long recovery and then apparently he played through pain for all the 2020 season. If he can't, if the if the knee gets flagged, right? If it's like all right, like he's gonna have structural damage or like he's not fully healed, he didn't right. heal right, whatever. Right. Then like I don't know how you can justify taking him highly in this class. Right. If it doesn't, now it's again now it's a conversation of, of of it's a gamble, it's a bluff. Mm-hmm. There's gonna be a lot of teams that want this dude for the intangible reasons, for the the legacy, for the family, for the amount of work he's put in, right? This was whatever he was benching, oh, whatever, at eighth grade. You know what I mean? Like, it was all these absurd physical stats. Right. That dude, at least from a work ethic and leadership and preparation perspective, is still in there somewhere, and he's still some caliber of athlete. That gets intriguing on day two. Who's going to take him, and how confident are you that he's going to be healthy? So I... Still have, like, a ton of respect for Moses. What I saw in 2018, it's not gone. It's not vanished. It's attainable so long as that knee is fine. But that's such a difficult bet to make. Uh, So, firstly, it's a dang shame. Yeah. Because this was really a great, great linebacker prospect and and a high-quality dude who I thought was going to be awesome in the league for a long time. But, secondly, now, it's going. teams are going to want to pick him, talking themselves into that 5% chance. And I'm not sure that'll be good process, but I very much understand that temptation. So Moses doesn't make my top five. Uh, he's he's, uh, he's going to be a round three player for me, uh, and it sucks. But shout out to Dylan Moses, who had a, a high caliber college career, who decided to come back to Alabama. Yeah. He was a very fun player to eval, and I just wish that he were able to stay healthy.
0: I really wish that injury never happened to Dylan. Yeah. Because uh, you say, I mean, you 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 put a lot of things into perspective and you did so correctly. I I can't I can't even I can't even draft him in the third round off of 2020. And you saying that like he played hurt is
1: it is evident in
0: his film, right? M- Dylan Moses. doesn't... And I was
1: watching it. I was like, oh, he's not as fast. And he was like, I was in pain every single play. And then right. you watch it, you're, you're no, like, oh, no, that's it's, why you're running away. Right.
0: It's it's not even that he was not as fast. Like Dylan was basically unplayable. Like. He had no impact at all. Now you play him, obviously, because it's college football, and he's he's very smart and he knows what to do and he knows how to position himself. But Moses did not make an impact on the game at all whatsoever. And I felt similarly to when I watched Sean Wade's tape. Now I was I was much lower on Sean Wade's tape overall, but like I, it was the same feeling of if this is if twenty twenty is Dylan Moses post injury. He 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 won't play in the NFL. He just won't. He did not have the... There are too many other guys who will have more explosiveness, give better effort towards contact, be able to get from point A to point B better, and all of that really matters for linebacker. Yes, of course, intelligence and diagnosis, all of those things that Dylan Moses could be and showed flashes of, is still important... But if you don't have a baseline athleticism to do it, you won't be able to do it. And I saw that there were sometimes angles and blocks and all of these things that he couldn't even get around in college against Ole Miss and Missouri. And I just feel really bad because you're right. If, if somebody flags him for his knee and truly says, like, he is going to be dealing with this for as long as he plays football, I don't know, I don't know how this guy is ever a starter in the NFL. Right. And that really and it hurts. Is, like, it sucks if, to say.
1: Right. Because even like in the Ole Miss and, and uh, Missouri tapes, which were early tapes in the season, mm-hmm. right? Like there's struggles that he has, but then like he opens and runs, and you're like, ah, like he's fast. Right. Like, yes. He can, he can fly. Yes. And then you start putting on late season film. He couldn't run. He couldn't yeah. run. He couldn't open. And it's just like, that's the thing. It's like, all right, even if you're getting him healthy at X, at X, at Y, you know, like whatever number of games. It, you start to be a playoff team, and he starts to lose his impact. You can't trust him if he's gonna if attrition's gonna hurt him like mm-hmm. that. Which are, you know, again, like we're not gonna take a look at his MRIs. We're not gonna know, but that's the sort of worry that you're dealing with. That's what makes placing him so hard. Yeah, and it makes it all the more difficult that he just seems like an awesome dude.
0: I hope, yeah, I hope so much that he's gonna get full recovery this off season and that he's gonna turn back into the player that we saw. In 2018 because that 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 player could have been special and i i really want that for dylan as well because he seems like an awesome dude uh before we get to our top fives we're gonna do that in a sec we got to tell people about the best tasting protein bars on the planet that is the folks over at built bar they've got 18 incredible flavors and you guys know the drill you've had protein bars before it's either great for your macros and it tastes terrible or it tastes like a candy bar and there's like two grams of protein in there well built bar is the perfect combination of both they've got Low calories, low sugar, also high protein, high fiber as well. Check out all the different flavors they have over at builtbar.com. You don't even have to choose one if you order one of their boxes. You can mix and match the flavors. Go to builtbar.com, use the promo code Locked On Twenty. That's all words, no or all caps, all words, all it's caps. All words, it's no, all,
1: no numbers, no. Letters, it is numbers though. Words. You can't even say
0: it's no numbers. It was just, <laughs> it's just a massive brain fart by me all around. Couldn't even save it. The promo code is Locked On Twenty, no spaces you will get 20% off your next order, whether it's one box, two box, whatever it is. Use the promo code Locked On 20% off over at beltbar.com. Top fives for the linebacker class coming up next. Wednesdays on Locked On NFL, take a dive into the future of your favorite NFL franchises. Tony Wiggins and James Rappian are joined every week by a Locked On NFL draft expert to talk prospects in the upcoming draft, young players fresh in the league, Talk about big rookie performances this year, how the team's shaping up for a premium draft pick, all that kinds of stuff. Get everything you need on Wednesdays on Locked on NFL. Subscribe to Locked on NFL wherever you get your podcasts. You know the drill, Ben. It's time. Let's go one to five for the 2021 linebacker class. Five's Tony Fields, baby. Let's go. What?
1: <laughs> Tony Fields. You were ready out for and... that. So... <laughs> yes, sir. Tony Fields grades out as a love mid-round it. two prospect for me. Tony ah, Fields, okay. like I said, has been the biggest surprise so far in doing all this. I think he's got an awesome tape. Uh, right, going to be used not dissimilarly to watch him. I have to watch. Yeah, he's him great. Uh, Baylor and Kansas State fall in love. Uh, Jeremiah Usukwomoa not going to be. Uh, you're going to be using similar ways, right? This is so similar mold of a player going to be outside of the stack. Mm-hmm. Uh, four for me is Nick Bolton. Loved what I saw of Nick Bolton live. Film watch took a little bit of a shine off for me, uh, just because mm-hmm. I think he's he is a limited player. Um, but the the physicality, explosiveness, and I think that the budding coverage instincts are are your starting will caliber. Lockett it, send it home. Uh, Zavin Collins for me is three. Liked. Bolton Moore, live, liked Zayven better after film. Uh, Collins is extremely versatile. And we're talking about the true, like, best thumper in this class in terms of the stopping power he has coming downhill at 250-plus, 260, uh, the ability to line up on the line of scrimmage and be able to maintain a gap work back inside, you know, flow backside as well when he's unblocked. That's your dude. Uh, difficult to figure out a good comparison for a player uh, of his mole, but the versatility is not. So in the Kyle Van Noy role, I think he's going to be great. Jeremiah owusu is two for me with that asterisk. I agree, Trevor. If I were evaluating him as a personnel staff, as a coaching staff, we would conceive of him uh, relative to our safety depth chart, not our linebacker depth chart, I think. Um, and so in that way, you could argue him linebacker one over Michael Parsons because they're going to do such different things. Uh, he would be my highest-graded safety. He's my second-highest-graded linebacker. He's a round one player for me. Just a violent dude, so much fun to watch. Uh, Michael Parsons is my linebacker one. If you need a true uh, C gap to C gap defender, ability to uh, uh, rush from the inside, ability to take on and stack blocks, which is not his best trait, but I think he obviously has the physical tools for it, and he's he he was improving in that regard. Remember, this is a very limited starting experience player. Michael Parsons is your dude. So so Parsons graded out better for me than Owusu-Koromoa did but I very much conceive of them in the same tier, and depending on what you need would be who you stack one or the other. Uh, I also think Parsons does have a little bit of the versatility thing as well with the outside rushes, but that's much more so like a year three projection. He doesn't know how to do that right now. More so a Tremaine Edmonds than he is uh, uh, Jamie Collins at this point. Five for me, and we'll, we'll, we'll get to some other points on the guys that, that, that
0: Ben just mentioned. Five for me is Chaz Surratt believe a lot in his upside. I I love the former QB background. He's super intriguing to me. I, I felt like from when he was out there year one as a linebacker in 2019, he was all about the tackles, all about seeing ball, getting the ball, showing off the speed, being able to get there in pursuit, was second in the ACC in tackles. 2020, I felt like he was trying to hone in on his coverage a little bit more. Um, he, he wasn't as relentless to the ball, but I think he was being more patient with it. I don't think that there was anything wrong with that. I just felt like you saw an evolving linebacker. And so for the size that he brings, for the athleticism that he brings, he was five for me over Nick Bolton. I like Nick Bolton. He's, he's such a fun future Mike linebacker, but I just... I'm not so sure that he's going to be able to ever bring the coverage profile that a guy like Rat does just because of measurables. I mean, you're going to watch Nick Bolton, and what you see is what you get. And it's going to be a fun linebacker that you're going to love to put in. Six but
1: foot, 230, and no regard for human life, baby. My sort of player. I don't know if he's six feet, though. And he's got the short
0: arms. That's the thing. That's the thing. That's the, that's, that's the thing for me. I, lo- I I love Nick Bolton. I really do. But that's why he was six for me. Chas Surratt was five. Four for me is Baron Browning. Uh, that, the, the profile of what I feel like he can bring, we, we talked about it earlier in the podcast, the ceiling, I think, is... The ceiling is the roof, right? As As the saying goes. And I think that he is a really high-potential player. I got that you love the play in space. I, I think that he's got great coverage upside as well. Jeremiah... I Uus- know.
1: I don't want to cut you off. I know I've made the Nick Bolton to Mario Davis comparison before. I thought Chad Surratt is more likely to be Demario Davis moving forward than Nick Bolton was after I out him. <laughs> I get that with him now. Jeremiah Usu
0: is three. And I have him at three because he's just... He's super unique, and and I have Zayvon Collins above him because it's the linebacker category, but if we were redoing our safety categories, I I have him as the number two safety behind Trayvon Merrick, but when you combine the fact that he would be number two on a safety list, number three on a linebacker list, he is going to be higher on my big board than both Zayvon Collins and Trayvon Merrick, the guys that he is behind in like the specific position groups, just because I'm going to value Big Board differently and everything that you could bring to the team versatility-wise on a Big Board. So, Uso Kormo is three. Extremely violent, athletic, fun player that's great in space. Zayvon Collins is two for me, and for as much as Ben was correct, saying that, hey, this is a guy who could potentially be a monster for you on the edge when taking on blocks, he's 6'4", about 260 pounds, He's also
1: got some great coverage instincts. Like the guy yep. moves well, he moves yeah, that's fluid. That's why I say like there's, no, there's no good comp for him because he's there's just weird. There's really
0: not. He's super weird, but he's super intriguing. And so when it comes to a true linebacker spot, I feel like Zaven is the right amount of versatility that you would want from an off-ball linebacker. And then Micah Parsons is number one. His tape is just f- stupid. His tape at the end of the year is just ridiculous. I watched, <laughs> I watched early games of him, and I did this on purpose. I watched early games of him. I watched middle-of-the-season-ish games of him. And then I made sure that I finished with the Memphis Cotton Bowl game. And the way, Ben, that he progressed. Now, this is a former edge player, right? He came to Penn State as an edge player. So they moved him over to linebacker when he got on campus. But he's still pretty green in that area. What he showed you as a sophomore... Second year ever playing linebacker player at the end of the year from Memphis. The way that he played was so much more confident, so much faster, so much more impactful. Both when dropping back and when attacking the line of scrimmage. His it's nuts. I I feel like Micah Parsons is whatever you want him to be as an outside or as an off ball linebacker. He could be whatever you want. I think he's a starting Mike in Trevor. the NFL just because he's so great at attacking the pocket. That Cotton Bowl game against Memphis is one of the best games I've I've ever seen from a prospect in the last couple of years. That's it was obvious. his
1: thirteenth career start. Stupid dude, stupid thirteenth thirteenth career start. He did not play linebacker in high school. Thirteenth career start. I I just, imagine if he had played football this year,
0: you know what I'm <laughs> saying? You know what I'm saying? Like this is the this is the kind of play. So like we gushed over Caleb Farley in the previous podcast about the cornerbacks mm-hmm. because his I mean his potential for as little as he has played the position is incredible. I feel the same way about Michael Parsons. That's uh, he's gonna be a top ten player for I me brace. in this class, no doubt about it. Wait, say that again? He's gonna be a top ten player for me in this class, no doubt
1: about it. Okay. I heard you say three at first and I was like, what? <laughs> okay, 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 okay. He We're
0: might fine. be no I don't think he will be. No, I don't think he will be. He might that, be a top five. You'll have to
1: tune in to find
0: out. You're going to have to tune in to find oh, wow. out. All right, we're fast forwarding things a little bit. We gave you three prospect episodes this week with the travel. I hope, that guy, I hope that can hold you off. We are doing Fan Friday, so we're going right to Fan Friday now at the end of the week. I'm going to be sending out the uh, question and answer form on Twitter on Friday morning for you guys to get in the show. A lot of you guys have already sent me in your questions, which I really appreciate uh, because you just you're just so ready to get in on the show. It just shows me you all have so much enthusiasm for the podcast this time of year and always, which is which is great, man. Always warms my heart. So thank you for sending those questions in. If you haven't gotten it in, look at our Twitter, at Tampa Bay Tray. at Benjamin Solak is going to be over there. If you are more of an Instagram person, I changed my Instagram handle. I'm at Tampa Bay Tray on Instagram as well, so I oh, made wow. it easy for you guys to find. Yeah, thank you. No, I know, big moves, big moves. Creating the brand. You know, we got to unify the brand. It's got to be Tampa Bay Tray across the board. Gotta be similar there. So we'll be doing that and we will record it hopefully Friday evening. But if travel and coverage plans for this scouting combine get in the way, it might be a Saturday release. We might have to do it on Saturday, but that'll just give you guys something to look forward to on the weekend. And then of course on Monday, we're gonna get right back to the position players with the Edge Rusher Group. Gonna give you an exciting, high value position to start your week. Until then. You guys keep it locked right here on Locked on NFL Draft.